Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. Brought to you by Cisco. And guys, I hope you're feeling smart today. Super smart. Super yeah, smart. I'm, I'm, this is an emotional podcast. It's made me feel sassy, and now I'm feeling smart. So <laughs> bringing the best out of you here. So we are talking smart vehicles today, uh, not the brand, the concept. So as someone who's shopping for a new car, potentially, uh, oh I'm excited to learn about what I should be looking for and what, if my car is going to drive itself and maybe it should it drive itself and some of the ethical concerns there. But let's start where we always start. Let's go to the origin. And I typed it into Google. And once again, Kyle, I don't believe the answer. <laughs> well, you know, that's the best place to do your research. You start on Google. If it's on the internet, it's probably true. Like Michael Scott said, Wikipedia, you know Wikipedia is true because everyone, anyone can go put anything they want in there. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Let's roll back a little bit. The smart car brand being like half Mercedes, half Swatch Watch, that's amazing. Stunning. I can't, Stunning. I can't believe that. Yeah, I can't believe that didn't survive. All right, anyway. That, so, is, the, that is the Taco Bell KFC joint fast food yeah. vehicles. <laughs> and they, they had modular panels. You could take your make your car look like anything. All right, anyway, so real smart vehicles, not capital S smart, but lowercase s smart. I don't know. You probably saw the same thing on the internet early 30s or late 30s there was a a gm model car that didn't have a driver in it that was guided by emf all right sure if we're going to call the toaster the first iot device we can call that one the first smart vehicle but it was really the 80s carnegie mellon had a project mercedes had a project these uh, self-driving cars or autonomous cars became a thing mid 80s so i'd say that's kind of the origin now we really have to differentiate, which I think we'll do in this episode, between autonomous cars and smart cars. If you think about your smartphone, what made it smart? Well, it's because you can do more than just talk on your phone. You now have data. There's a data element to your phone. That made it a smartphone. You had apps, et cetera, et cetera. I drive a 2018 Honda Ridgeline. It's not going to drive itself, but it's a smart car in the same way that my iPhone is a smartphone. So there's a difference between smart devices and autonomous devices, obviously, but we are rapidly approaching an industry where cars will drive themselves. They already do to some extent, but the consumer products that you're talking about, Ian, rapidly approaching those being available. Yeah. So let's start there because that's you literally answered my first question already, which was going to be delineating between autonomous and smart. Yep. At a very elementary level, are all cars today smart? In that, like, all cars have an embedded computer in them. Now, my Hyundai is a dumb smart car in that I don't have, like, it's a 2013 or 14. It doesn't have, like, a screen that has Apple or Air Connect or Apple Connect or whatever it's called. So, but it has a computer and it has a radio and a display that tells me how many miles I have left in the tank and all that. Yeah. 
Is that smart? I don't give I don't give that credit to being a smart car. I'd say I mean there's been onboard computers for a long time. I mean that's how you get diagnoses from your engine when you have a check engine light come on. It's a little there's a little computer running somewhere. That's been in models of cars for forty years. When we talk today about smart vehicles, unfortunately, smart vehicles become synonymous with autonomous cars. That was a mouthful. See, it's interesting that I don't make that connection. I view okay. autonomous as a part of smart cars. Yep. That's that's great. So break the mold, Ian. We gotta talk about smart I'm cars. Than my car. <laughs> it's smart cars in the way I just talked about smartphones and that they are data enabled with applications that the user can control and et cetera, et cetera. And that, like you said, autonomous cars are a subset of that. But there could be fully you know, human operated vehicles that are smart vehicles because they have onboard computers and in-dash controls and a place to hook up another compute device like your iPhone, like you mentioned. So yeah, those have been around for a long time, a lot longer than autonomous cars have been. So smart cars, let's start there before we get to autonomous. With smart cars is how much of, and I guess it depends, how much of the compute is taking place on board versus is an application that's sending off information. Most of it's happening on board now. And the reason for that is the requirement to have low latency between the compute device and the consuming device. So if you think smart car, or if we go ahead and jump to the autonomous car, an autonomous car that's driving in traffic has to have a really quick response time if there's any major event. So we'll go ahead and use a scary event, autonomous car, pedestrian steps out in front of autonomous car. If we relied on that car's sensors to recognize the event, send the event to some cloud compute somewhere, and then get a response back that says hit the brakes, it's too late. Gotta go edge. Yep. So there has to be, Bill, onboard compute. And that's that's the way Tesla's going. Tesla's very vocal right now about having enough onboard compute in their vehicles to, in the future, support completely self-driving vehicles. But that's the only way to safely operate these things, is to have enough onboard compute that you don't need it. Now, we can get into all the details around traffic patterns and environmental changes and where's the nearest charging station like all of that stuff can come from in the cloud somewhere the maneuvering and the operation of the device has got to be on board all right so the person you're driving down the road you're in traffic how does it sense the sides of the road and i saw an article in the news where not all roads are made to be autonomous so Explain that to me. Yeah. So the original, I'll call it a plan. The original plan and some of the ways that the technology has been adopted in these vehicles is the same type of radar. It's called LIDAR, which is like a liger. It's only the greatest animal in the world. It's the same radar sensing technology that you use to map the ocean floor. It's beams, radio beams sent down like sonar. You get a response back, et cetera. If you guys have ever seen any show ever that's mapped the ocean floor, you, it's a rainbow. Yeah, I've seen of- the Meg starring Jason Statham. There you go. 
So it's a rainbow of colors, right? So that same technology was used in vehicles to try to measure distances, obstacles, heat signatures, that type of thing. We're moving away from that, obviously. We're moving into real sensors and real cameras and actual image processing. I mean, if we can do it in the physical security space, we can do it in a car. So we're moving that way, Phil. I think one of the things you might be referencing to is some of the current cars. I mean, we mentioned Tesla already. Their autopilot feature is very akin to my Honda's feature, which is, uh, you know, lane keep assist, which is, I can sense that there's a dividing line and I know where the edge of the road is. And if I can see those two things, I can keep you between them. That's not fully autonomous, but that's making an intelligent decision with onboard compute. How does it do that? Is that just based on like the seeing the paint on the ground? Yep. It's literally that and marker, you know, the reflective markers. It uses all of those as key indicators to tell. So if you're driving down a country road with no painted line in between it, there's no way it can tell you whether or not you're still in your lane. Stay in your lane, bro. It'll bounce you between the shoulders. So Ford just put out, and I just saw this this weekend. Ford has in their new, I think it's in the electric F-150, but it might be in all vehicles. They are leveraging map software. So Google Maps, Apple Maps, uh, maybe Waze, combined with the headlights. So the headlights will turn based on predictive analytics of what maps is telling it the road bends. So if the road bends left, the headlights turn left to show you the road instead of shining into the woods. Yep. That's the future of self-driving cars. If you know the road and roads don't change that often, they might get wider, but the angle at which the roads curve don't change. So you don't have to really worry about updating your map software that, that often. But yeah, you have on, enough onboard compute with good maps. You know exactly how long the road is, where the bends in the road are, what the speed limit of the road is. There's no reason to, to expect that a, an autonomous vehicle or a driverless vehicle can't navigate that. Then you just have to do all the, the front end stuff to make sure it doesn't run into whatever's in front of it. So... I mean, I, I don't know how long we want to spend on this because, like, we can get into Teslas can now order parts for themselves. They can, <laughs> like, I mean, which is crazy, right? Like, and and they Tesla compared it to essentially skipping the doctor and going straight to the pharmacy, and that your car knows what's wrong with it and how to fix itself. But that's crazy. I mean, like, uh, there's a tweet that went viral that was like, oh, this woman Angela Davis said. It's like, imagine checking your bank account the next day and finding out your car bought itself new tires. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like having a kid who had a hold of your debit card on his Nintendo. Yes, exactly. Like, yep. Well, I mean, we, we did a whole robotics thing and we combined robotics with AI and we terrified ourselves. But that's it's the same technology, right? It's just yeah. a, a sensor on a compute device that realizes that there's a problem and it's proactive to respond to the problem. And in this case, it's a car part going bad. So we're going to get into security because I can see Philip itching to talk about it. And I have something up to talk about it as well. But before we get there, since we're already on this, this road here that our, our car is driving us on, where is this going? Where are our artificially enhanced headlights shining in the future of smart cars. Is autonomous the end destination? I think I saw something the other day that said that like kids born 
in the last like five years will never drive their own cars. I mean, that's kind of yeah, sad. Well, they won't need a driver's license, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Ian, there's two different things. To me, there's two different markets. There's the consumer market. People want to buy cars that they own and can they can drive or it can drive them. There's also the like public transport, manufacturing logistics, delivery methods. Like there's vehicles that are on the road that no one would ever intend to have a human driver in it. I, I mean, uh, I guess Neuro is the the best example. I, I can't remember which one of the pizza chains now uh, featured them. I want to say it was like Domino's. Domino's did, yeah. Domino's. yeah. So, so they have this vehicle that shows up. It's too small to even fit a human being in it. And it's got two doors on the side that pop open and you get your hot pizza out of it. Groceries can be delivered the same way. Any product can be delivered through those things. So that's an autonomous vehicle, never intended to be driven by a human being. And so that's going to become more and more relevant. You can put, I mean, we did a drones episode on having packages delivered. You can do packages delivery on a four-wheeled vehicle on the road much easier, in my opinion, than you would having it flown to your house. So the consumer technology is going to advance as fast as consumers want it to, uh, which is a very bad answer to your question, but it's going to be my answer. Well, what's interesting and where I was kind of thinking this is going to is everyone views Uber and Lyft as these disruptive companies that revolutionize the kind of taxi cab, yep. pedestrian, whatever you want to call it, delivery system. They are probably the first companies that are going to be incredibly disrupted themselves by this in that their business model will shift because autonomous cars could be a very low cost way for them to scale. Yep. Well, that's what Waymo is, right? So Waymo's, a, I guess, a, a originally owned by Google. I don't know if they still are, but that the Google self-driving project turned into Waymo and they are that. They are a, I don't know what they call the generic term, a, a hailing service. Uh, we don't call, call them taxis and you can't use Uber like you use Band-Aid. It's a brand name. It's not the name of the product. But Waymo is focused not on consumer products. They're focused on self-driving vehicles that are going to do things like what you just described and be completely disruptive. I mean, the only thing that Uber provides that's unique from Waymo is the human being in the car. So, yeah, we're very close to already disrupting that service. And how old is that? I mean, five years, less than yeah, five years. Which is crazy. All right. Have you guys seen the movie Upgrade? No. I have not. Both of you need to go watch it. Okay. Gabby, I know you're listening and we can add it to your ever-growing list of movies that you haven't seen. <laughs> it's essentially our podcast, like emblematically shown through a much better plot line. So essentially this guy and his wife are in an autonomous car driving home. Someone hacks their car. You know, they get mugged. She gets murdered. He gets essentially like, he almost dies, but he gets this implant called STEM, artificial intelligence, built into him. And essentially he continues to like upgrade it and becomes this like superhuman that gets vengeance for her. That's the movie plot line in the movie. Probably just spoiled it. It's fine. Don't need to watch it. Good yep. call. Uh, it, but it has it, like all the things we've talked about in this podcast come into it. I'm using this as a bridge to talk about security because yep. that is the, I would say, outside of the ethical and moral dilemmas that smart cards pose, security is the number one concern that people have with them. Yep. I would say 
most of the legislation that you're seeing right now is focused on solving that, which is establishing that even self-driving cars or autonomous cars must have a driver in the front seat. And they're also spending a lot of time talking about redefining what a car is. Like, it doesn't have to have a steering wheel. It has to have a steering mechanism. Is a hot dog the same way? Yes, yes. So from a security standpoint, yeah, it's just like any other device we've ever talked about. There's an onboard computer on the computer. If you're near enough to it or can access the network that's controlling it, it's a device that you can hack. So it's incumbent upon any manufacturer that's putting computer on those devices to secure it, just like it would be anything else we've ever talked about. But I think the real fear is... What you described from the movie, which is what happens if this very heavy piece of machinery becomes controlled by something other than what's in the car. Again, that's where you have the the requirement that there's a, a human driver in the seat that can override the autonomous driving feature. Yeah. The other thing is when you scale it to your point on, you know, cars that were never meant to have humans in them or yeah. large scale fleets that are managed through a single software, that's terrifying. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's where you get into the Fast and the Furious where all the cars get hacked and they come flying out of a parking garage into the street. Yep. Well, I just, I referenced Waymo. They have Waymo Via, which is a a fleet. It's a trucking fleet project that they've built. So imagine an 18-wheeler with no human driver in it. That's even more terrifying, right? So yeah, obviously security, huge concern. So we talked about four wheels and things that have wheels, but the autopilot feature on an autonomous vehicle is like an autopilot feature on an airplane, right? So what does the future look like for, as we leave the ground, basically? Leave the roads. Yeah, we end up in drones, but you still have, you still people, you know, you still want to fly an airplane where there's a pilot just in case, right? So is that, how close are we to that? Because I feel like an airplane, we know how, like an airplane could land itself, we just, Choose to put a pilot in it. Like, yeah, okay. Which great. And you may never know, Phil. I know. Like you if, may know. if you go fly tomorrow, they may not have a pilot, and you'll never know because if they keep that door shut when you get off, you're none the wiser. Yeah. And, and you land, and the, the co pilot hits the pilot and says, like, Hey, uh, we're here. And he just wakes yeah. up. We're good to go. Yeah. It's peace of mind, right? We're flying yeah. uh, much more expensive and heavier pieces of equipment to other planets that don't have human beings navigating them. So, yeah, I don't feel I think this is a social question, not a technology question. I don't think society is ready for a pilotless commercial airliner. That's really terrifying. But like you said, you referenced uh, our drone episode. There's already pilotless aircraft that are uh, being used in certain certain circumstances. But uh, the technology exists to make it happen right now, Phil. I just don't think as a species that we're ready for that. It's just really funny. It's kind of like cars. Do I trust the pilot or would I trust the computer? And you yeah. know, like theoretically thinking through it, it's like I think I saw something that said if fifty percent of cars tomorrow had were autonomous, think of the amount of wrecks that wouldn't happen. But the problem is all yeah, you hear right. about are the ones that do happen. You're about to get me fired up because that, so that's left. the thing that gets me so annoyed about autonomous vehicles is they get in collisions at an absolute minute yes. rate compared to in-person collisions. 
But the one time it happens, it's headline news, and there's a million car accident today, and no one ever talks about it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Most of the ones that you see in the news, the driver's not where they were supposed to be. Or they're messing around on their phone. They're not even paying attention in the driver's seat. So, yeah, the the fail-safe was never there. (laughs) But you're right. The percentage of accidents caused by humans are astronomically higher than those that are caused by the technology. So when or if, do you think we'll see a shift in, like, is there a threat to major car brands from technology brands? Because Apple announced they're going to be making a smart car. Google's already invested in this. I mean, our friends at Cisco, I could see very easily getting into it. Like, is this going to become a technology the new frontier of technology, or are we going to see the legacy giants of Ford and GM and Honda and Toyota continue to lead just because it's where they've always been? And and no one take our podcast as stock. Uh, no, stock. there are no That's stock right. investments. Nobody get on Robinhood and start moving stuff around right now. Okay. <laughs> Do we need to read the safe harbor statement? Yeah. So Ian, I think, well, I got to be careful with this answer. Uh, I would say the large, the large vehicle manufacturer, automotive industry, they have to evolve in order to support the new technology and the new consumer and the new driver. Yep. So they have to. Will all of those brands that you just said do that? Absolutely not, because right. most of them are mired in manufacturing. They're very good at getting raw materials. They're very good at the engineering, aerodynamics all the stuff, physics, like all of those things. And they're not necessarily good at onboard compute, which is the difference. So Apple is really good at that, as an example. Is Apple really good at manufacturing a aerodynamic vehicle? No, they've got some branding, they've got some sleek ideas, et cetera, but that's not their, that's not their business model. So I see more partnerships or acquisitions. This is an M&A a play for sure. Okay, makes sense. It just when you when Apple announced it, I kind of thought my first thought was like, huh, like an Apple, the Apple is going to look real weird on the dashboard the hood of a car. Yeah. But then you start thinking about it, and it it kind of makes sense in that you're right. It is a mergers and acquisitions play, but I mean, talent shifts around, and Tesla's built a business on this, right, of kind of being a technology led car manufacturer. So I do think it's an interesting thought, but I, I think the corporate partnerships uh, are something that would make sense there. Yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot. Since we need to you know, always throw out a culture reference, I would uh, strongly recommend everyone go read Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. And then you answer Ian's question. After reading that, you go answer Ian's question. All right, we're ending it there. Uh, if we have an Atlas <laughs> Shrugged that reference in a smart car episode, we're ending it there. <laughs> Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco Security. Security is a top concern for all customers in a growing global market rich in recurring revenue. Don't just sell the products, win by selling security business valuable in a scalable architectural approach with best of breed products and threat intelligence with Cisco. Profit from an ongoing relationship with your customers today.